Hello, I'm Joshua Vickery. And I'm Mary Thompson-Hunt. Welcome to From the Heart. Central Florida is widely known for its tourist spots and attractions, but many people don't know about its thriving arts community. On this show, we are excited to introduce to you talented and passionate artists who shape our arts community. How do they create and why? And how can Central Florida benefit from an even greater arts presence? On each episode, we'll introduce you to guests who are influential leaders and artists who are truly making a difference. From the Heart. With a capital A-R-T. Yes, Mary. I said Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you just gave it away that our our intro isn't pre-recorded. No, it isn't. It's it's real live art happening Mm -hmm. right there Mm -hmm. as we go. And I took artistic liberty. Every now and then we can get the yell out. (laughs) So we're from Florida today. Okay, I like that. How are you, my friend? I'm wonderful. I had a good week. You did? Yes, I got together with old cohorts from Comedy Warehouse and did a benefit show. And uh, something, when you've done it for a very long time, I don't know if you feel this way when you play piano, if you sit back down, mm-hmm. certain things just come right back Just come to you. back naturally. Yeah. It's like riding a bike, mm-hmm. right? And you, you spent many years at the Comedy Warehouse with yes. incredibly talented people, yeah. entertaining thousands of guests. Mm-hmm. So it, did it, it felt like being at home? Yeah. I did 18 years there. Someone figured I did it in the ballpark of 15,000 shows. So, yeah. 15,000 shows. You had to be funny 15,000 times. Well, I didn't say I was funny all 15,000. <laughs> <laughs> but you tried, right? Tried, you tried. gave it your best. I did my best. <laughs> and when you weren't funny, you were setting someone else up to be. Uh, that's true. Yeah, because mm-hmm. improv is a lot of just setting people up, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Were you ever like, oh, that was such a good line. I wish that was mine. I wish I had done that. As long as someone says it, we got the laugh. That's fine, right? Because it's, it is a team effort Absolutely. for sure. Great. And so this week was um, just a great week in theater. Saw Gypsy a couple weeks ago at the Garden Theater with Andrea Canny and Andrea wait. Stack How and Arcadian it? Broad. Oh, it was fantastic. How was Arcadian? Oh, he was awesome. He's a singer. I, I just I didn't know that. I know. I texted him after. I said, dude, you sing too? Like you play piano, piano, you tap, composes. you compose, you do ballet. <laughs> yeah, he has more talent in his pinky than like I have in my whole body. I can't um, wait. Yeah, but Andrea Kenny was an amazing Mama Rose. I'm, I keep hearing I mean, great things. Just the voice, the fire, the passion. She was she was incredible. You're gonna go see it, right? Yes, Saturday night. Jason and I have tickets. Years ago, I was Miss Electra in a in a production. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I would my, have loved to have seen. My parents that. came, and my mom said, "Dad waited till everyone left the theater to get up and leave. He was just a little shy, Mary. You didn't tell him you were a stripper." I went, "Well, I wanted to surprise him." But it's a classy stripper. I mean, I mean, it's like. Sort of, I guess. You it's light up. Burlesque. One at a time. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw uh, there's a new theater in town in Sanford, right on Main Street, called Theater West End. You yes. know, that theater has been around for almost 100 years. It's gone through multiple. It was a movie house. It was a burlesque house. used to be a theater. And over That's the last right. 10 years, it's gone through four or five different theaters. And so now I think Theater Weston is here to stay if the color purple that they just produced has any indication <sighs> of what they're going to be doing because it really was fantastic. I can't wait to see it. You I'm know, that, that musical um, has an all-black cast mm-hmm. and it's never been done in Central Florida. It's This was the premiere of it. Wow. Because many people said there's no way because it's a huge cast mm-hmm. and really hard, really hard roles, really, really big songs and People were saying in the theater, in the theater community, kind of like in the Heights before in the Heights happened, mm-hmm. is there's no way we'll be able to get an all black cast that can do this show. And boy, they had so many talented, wonderful people show up for auditions. Uh. 
and the show was Broadway quality. I truly, can't wait. truly amazing. So if you can go see it, we'll check do. it out. They're extended for another weekend after this um, uh, this show airs. Didn't we hear history of that theater that they were part of the Chitlin Circuit for? They a while? were, yeah. And what's neat about that theater, I, I, well, I wouldn't say it's neat, but I think it is honorable, is when you walk in the front doors, you can see on the side of the brick wall you still see the imprint of the stairs that led up to the separate balcony mm-hmm. where people of color mm-hmm. had to sit. Mm-hmm. And they've kept that there as an homage and a reminder of how far we've come, you know, just not just as a society, but even as a theater community where um, before integration, what yeah. that looked like. And it's really powerful. It was really powerful for this show, for Color Purple, to be in that space and to be reminded of that, even in that, you know, in that room. It was just interesting and crazy nice yeah nice. and then the other thing that i saw um and just a shout out to Seminole state college and dr summers and, and stephen summers and his leadership dr georgia lorenz who's the new president there um they had a whole um night to to commemorate and honor the 50th anniversary of the stonewall inn and the rising uh, up of lgbtq rights and and gay marriage and all of those things and the Orlando Gay Chorus sang, mm. and they had members of the um, choir come out and talk about um, the moments when they came out to their friends and family. Wow. And it was just a really, the place wow. was packed. Wow. The whole auditorium was packed. And it was just a really powerful, um, just, you know, reminder of how the arts can uh, bring back those memories and celebrate mm-hmm. where we're going and all of those fun and things. And it becomes so. a sacred space where sharing something so personal is accepted and appreciated yeah absolutely so the garden theater seminole state college and theater weston we give you a shout out shout out yes 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 i am excited about today's show i am too mary we've actually never had this organization on the tv show or on the radio show so we're thrilled to be talking to the orlando museum of art today exactly today we have Coralie Clayson Gleason. She's the associate curator of collections and exhibitions department and we have michael kai Caibio, Caibio, yes, Michael Caibio, who is the marketing manager. He's been there for six years doing this. Orlando Museum of Art, welcome. You're in the house. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're so us. glad. Did we get your last name right, Michael? She got it. Yes. Oh, <laughs> the second and third time, Caibio. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, you know, today we're just leaving letter, random letters out of words. So I thought maybe, <laughs> who knows, we could have we could have left a letter, some letters out of that. <laughs> it took me a while. Um, I'm so glad both of you are here. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. We'll start with you, Corley. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for having us, really. It's a pleasure to be here. Um well, what do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> so as marketing manager, what does that mean for you and for the museum? Uh, okay, that's Michael. That's Michael. So <laughs> I'm doing very well here. <laughs> Associate curator of collections and exhibitions yes. department. What do you do? So um, I, I love my job. <laughs> I should just say that um, it's, I'm absolutely passionate about what I do, and that makes it easier. It's not work anymore, you know. Um, what I do on a daily basis, I come to the museum, I um, help organize exhibitions. So literally it involves anything from exhibi- exhibition planning, researching, curating, um, um, artist liaison, um, you know, working on catalogs with Michael and his team. Um, but it's it's wonderful because it's about sharing the arts, you know, and making, you know, something happen, you know. So, so. when you talk about exhibition planning, um, how do you go about that? Do you look and see what's hot these days? What do people want to see? Do you take feedback from people that are 
regulars there? How do you plan? How do you decide? A little bit of everything, really. I I think um, there are trends and we are aware of those trends. We don't necessarily want to follow the trends. I think it's more following our mission, our vision as a museum, but also making sure it's relevant to the city we live in. We're mm. very conscious. We are a part of Orlando. You know, we want to do great things here. We want to make an impact and more than an impression, you know, really a, an impact in people's lives. And so how do we do that? You know, so it's by bringing incredible artists, um, connecting people, mm-hmm. really. It's I see my role as being the ultimate connector. Um, you know, not only do we bring the art to the museum and we place it on the walls, right? But it's um, it's only meaningful if people um, get something from it. Mm. So not only do they come and view it, but it's more than viewing it. It's integrating it to, you know, the experience. It becomes an experience. So that's what I'm interested in. And that's why I'm so passionate about my work. Corley, you mentioned the vision. What is your vision state mission statement? So the vision statement for the museum is... Or the mission. You can give us um, both. I can, yeah, <laughs> I can give you both. Um, so it's to inspire creativity, passion, and intellectual curiosity by connecting people with ideas and great art. So that's the mission. The vision is to be a creative change for education in the center for artistic engagement. So again, we get that word engagement. You know, engagement experience you know how do we connect and how do we truly do something that's meaningful and that's going to change things i love that michael you know in every cultural and creative community there has to be a great art museum right and in our we're lucky enough in our community have multiple art museums but how does the orlando museum of art maybe differ from other you know um, like the manello or the cornell or what is it that's really special about oma well i think and Correct me if I'm wrong, Corley, but I I would say the way that we differ is that we just offer a pretty wide variety of of art at the museum. So our collection includes, you know, like um, African art. We have like ancient American art. We have uh, we have like traditional American art. We have contemporary art, and we also feature like local artists' work uh, during our first Thursdays events. And so. We're also very plugged into the community, and so I'd say those are probably like the differentiating factors. I, I don't know that many other museums in in the area present the diverse body of work that that we do, and I think that's something that we're we're proud about. What percentage of your work it changes, and what is permanent, and how does a permanent piece become that? Do you like so, to that? yes. Mm-hmm. So I, I um. What I want to stress is that we have an incredible permanent collection. And that permanent collection is years and years of different collecting circles and members and people being invested and investing in the museum and believing in the museum as a great place for education, civic engagement, and, you know, uh, things like that. So those members, those people that have invested in the museum have done so by being a part of our various um circles like the acquisition trust uh we have various ambassador groups we have the friends of american art um the council of 101 all these various collecting circles do their thing you know to the museum to bring you know incredible art so some of them specialize in collecting uh, contemporary art and donating it to the museum gifting uh, to the museum some of them it's more classic art you know before 1950s um 
some of them, it's just doing incredible events. We have the Festival of Trees coming up, mm-hmm. um, you know, different fundraising events. Um, and I think, Mike, you might want to um, tell more about the Festival of Trees as well, which is uh, sure. a describe, wonderful event. Describe you know, that to us. So, so the Festival of Trees is a, it's a nine-day fundraiser, and it's put on by this fundraising group that Corley mentions, the Council of 101. And uh, they put on two very large fundraising events for the museum every year, one of them being the Festival of Trees. And so at that event, uh, during the nine days, there's a general admission where people can come into the space and essentially, you know, Christmas or the holidays take over the museum. Mm. So in combination with the artwork on the walls, there will also be these designer decorated trees installed throughout the place. There will be designer uh, wreaths. And so what we do is uh, the Council of 101 will reach out to various uh, companies and organizations, uh, you know, corporations in the community to get them to essentially purchase trees and then they get to design them and then they bring them to the museum and they are available for people to purchase at the event. And then the idea is that it's held somewhere in the middle of November so that people, so when the event is over, they can take their trees home with them oh. to enjoy them throughout all of December. Are some of them really outrageously unique? Can They're, you describe one? I mean, describe... That stands out in your uh, mind? Essentially, any any theme you can think of. I mean, uh-huh. I've seen one that's uh, like Minions uh, themed. <laughs> I've seen like Avengers themed. And then they also, uh, some are like like New Orleans style. Uh-huh. Some have been um, you're just, just like gorgeous and elegant. Some will just play off of a certain color. I mean, we've seen some gorgeous trees. It just, it just depends on the corporation that, that gets involved and whatever they're into. The YMCA, I remember, did this really just insanely, like, huge display uh, comprised of, of ladders and and, and, uh, and decor and toys. And so that was a really fun It's a fun uh, display. event. Yeah, fun. we've, got, we've been able to perform at it multiple really? times. Yeah. yeah, and it's a yeah. really fun, it's a really yes. fun I'm event. I'm going to go this year. Will you perform this year? Yeah, let's go together. Yeah. That'll be fun. I would like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to come right back, listeners, and to hear more about the Orlando Museum of Art with Michael and with Coralie. So join us back here on From the Heart, Magic 107.7 FM. Welcome back to From the Heart. I am Mary Thompson Hunt here with Joshua Vickery, and we are very excited to have two guests from Orlando Museum of Art, Coralie Clayson Gleason and Michael Caibio. Welcome back to both of you. Michael, we were talking with you a little earlier, and on break, we started talking about museum etiquette, and we barely got started. And I said, wait, let's talk about it on air. <laughs> Tell us about museum etiquette. So I'm still learning a lot about museum etiquette, but what I can say is that. Uh, it's something that we're finding a lot of uh, families, especially locally, are not too familiar with. So and what are some do's and don'ts? Let's start with do's. So some do's. I would definitely say to just look at the art <laughs> as opposed to touching the art. And unless there's a sign somewhere that communicates that you are allowed to touch it. And there are some contemporary exhibitions where it is allowed and, and, and highly encouraged. Uh, it, I really think it's up to the museum to communicate to people that they are allowed to touch it. But I would usually err on the on on the cautious side and and you know 
not touch the artwork. Especially at an mm-hmm. art museum. We've had the mm-hmm. Orlando Science Center here, and mm-hmm. of course mm-hmm. that is experiential, and they exactly. want you to, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. very different. And, and tell us why. So th- many of these works are extremely high-priced. And They're old. And some can be very old. Mm-hmm. I, there's a variety of reasons, and, and sometimes it could just be damaged. And um, something a lot of people maybe don't know, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but um, it's the, the guests are actually not, at fault whenever it does get touched and it's actually put on the museum mm. uh, and so that's why we try our best to communicate to people that I would like to add something to that mm. one we need to remember what we're here for as a museum we're keeping those pieces for the public interest mm-hmm. you know and them. so we're we're we're, um, we're always thoughtful about that because not only do we want the everyday you know um, viewer to enjoy it but we want it for generations to come. Sure. So what people don't realize is that if you look at your fingertips, right, mm-hmm. You even if they're clean, you don't see oils. it, but mm-hmm. there's oils. And literally just a fingerprint on even a frame, you know, mm-hmm. after years it can become rust, mm-hmm. like literally. Mm-hmm. So on a painting that's centuries old, mm-hmm. you know, you can't even imagine the damage. So um, very often we try to... Um, bridge that gap with the especially children we don't want to say don't do this don't do that you know we try and explain to them why you know because it's more important and i think you have more respect for that rule and you don't see it as a rule so much more as a duty Mm -hmm. you know it's your duty to take care of this work so Mm -hmm. that you can come back with your children 50 years from now or even 20 years from now depending on their age you know um, and and enjoy it for generations to come. So, how old are some of your oldest pieces, and who are some of the artists that we've heard of that you have pieces of in your collection? Well, we have John uh, Singer Sargent. We have we've had pieces from thinking about the uh, the latest exhibition we had, State of Excellence, back in January. Mm-hmm. We had pieces that were from the Renaissance, from f- old Flemish painter mm-hmm. masters, you know. So, um, and whether we're talking about ancient art, you know, and we have even, you know, the ancient America's mm. collection is, uh, gosh, you know. Yeah, I, I couldn't even, t- I couldn't even, we can even date, I think, some of them. Some of them are just ancient. We mm-hmm. have ancient America's, we have the uh, African art collection. Um, and, but whether we're talking about art that's ancient or whether we're talking contemporary art, the damage is the same, exactly. you know. And we same have, with sculptures. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. So um, I've worked in the past with artists that, who actually wanted the, their sculptures to be touched, but then we would specifically tell people. And so, as Michael said, it depends. It depends on the exhibition, on the, the type of exhibit as well, and piece. Some pieces are actually created to be Im- immersive and experiential. Mm-hmm. So you would be asked to sit on a swing. We've had mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. in a previous Florida Prize in Contemporary Art exhibition. A couple of years mm-hmm. ago, we had those uh, swings um, hanging from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And the whole experience of the piece was to actually sit on the swing and swing in the room. Ah, you know. But that was the specific piece. And then next to that, you could have a horse sculpture and you're not supposed to sit on the horse, you know. <laughs> so it's really, it's uh, educating people. And are there doing signs it. up in the rooms? Like there are. Sometimes people miss them, but they mm-hmm. are there. Mm-hmm. And usually um, artists 
do not want signs. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> they, they'd rather not have a sign, but it's very difficult, especially when you have large crowds. Sometimes mm-hmm. we put up a sign just for that day. And, and, then and take the reason I ask you yeah. this is because there might be people listening right now that haven't been to a museum since they were a child. Sure. And no one teaches you how to go to a museum and even how to take in work and form an opinion on mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Someone may be going to the museum for the first time with their teenage children. How do you decide if something's good or not? Mm. So I think it's, um, I think to me, I I think, you know, I talked about being the art connector, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. You know, you want people to feel connected to a piece. So it's more than just looking at it and not understanding it. So you give them the tools to understand it for themselves. I think it's very important to make people understand that their view of this artwork is valid. You know, there's no right and wrong. Um, and whether they knew the full story about a, an art piece doesn't matter. You know, they're allowed to have their own opinion that make their own story. So a lot of times what I, I would try and do is give them a few clues, you know, instead of saying just, I don't like it. Tell me why you don't like it. You know, it's fine. You mm-hmm. know, I, I love that you have an opinion about it. In fact, whether it's a really harsh negative opinion or a very positive one, it's as valid, you know, and I love negative opinions because I don't try and change their mind. I mm. try and understand why they see it that way. And everyone has different mm. perceptions, you know. So very often I would give them a little clue. I would tell them, hey, did you know that this artist, you know, and give them a little um, backstory, mm-hmm. you know, because we have the labels, we have all the background information about the piece, but very often that's not what people connect to. Mm. They actually connect to what inspired the artist. And that's not on the label. It's very mm. often what we find when we talk to the artist, especially talking about contemporary art. You mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. And at the Leonard Museum of Art, Michael, how do you, you know, there are so many different kinds of art, right? That, Like sure. you said, there's the classical, there's the contemporary, there's more of the ancient, you know, Renaissance kind of stuff. Here in Orlando, what do you find to be really popular? Like, do you see that... You know, the people that live here in our city mm-hmm. really love a certain kind or a certain genre. To me, from what I've been sensing, just from seeing what people are, are tagging us in social media, people really seem to gravitate towards the contemporary art, especially the art that's immersive or, you know, like installation art. People love to be inside things. They like to to essentially go for a photo, but at the same time, just really experience like what's in the artist's head. Mm. And so whenever they come to the museum, like right now we have uh, an artist, his name is Nick Cave, and, and this exhibition just opened this past Friday. When they come to that, they kind of get an idea of what's in his head. When they first come in, they see this uh, runway installation of all these sound suits that he made, and they kind of get to see some of the creativity that he expresses through these suits. And then whenever you go around to the backside of that, you can see this really beautiful, what what's called an architectural forest. And, and so I would say these like really big installations uh, seem to be what people really tend to enjoy. Our Florida Prize exhibition each year, uh, we tend to have artists that that put together these gorgeous site-specific installations. And uh, that's and luckily enough, I, I think that's something that I think uh, I really gravitate towards too. And I think I can, um, you know, really, that, that really resonates with me and I'm able to kind of communicate whenever we have these sorts of things. But what you were just you. describing, um, Coralie was kind enough to send us pass a few photos around for our guests who are listening is there can they go online and see any of the pictures that we're looking at oh now? sure yes yes they can go to omart.org <laughs> o-m-a-r-t 
Omart, not Kmart. Omart. Omart. Someone else actually already took OMA.org. Orlando Museum of Art. Orlando Museum of Art. Omart.org. Yeah, and these pictures are fascinating just from this one exhibit. I wish you had them in color, too. I have some in color. Oh, you do? But do you find that, because this looks just kind of wacky, right? Do you find that the strange and unique exhibits are really just fun for people like do they are they do they shy away from something that's very different than they used to or do you think they, they embrace it they love it they love my it. experience seems, is that they love it. in my experience too and i can't speak for everyone but it seems like the really out there uh exhibits seem to be really interesting it's, it seems to be uh, i think provocative and, and you know creates conversation yeah yeah but exactly. on the fringe i like exactly that. It, at the very least it gets you to talk about it and i think you know and to maybe be inspired. And that's a part of our mission statement. And I think that, uh, you know, that really works. That really works for us. Well, and I love how diverse, you know, what you guys do offer. And I think that's one of the challenges that museums have. Just the word museum makes you mm-hmm. think sterile and cold, right? Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. so you're, you're lofty, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe even above me. And you guys are working so hard to make the art more accessible Absolutely. and to make everybody feel welcomed and, you know, and comfortable. But, and, and we can have a three hour show on all the programs <laughs> you guys do, but maybe highlight a couple of programs that you're really proud of at the museum okay. that really do break down some of those barriers and allow people to experience art in a different Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll start with First Thursdays. I'd say that that's one of our, our biggest connections to the community. That's a monthly event that's held on the first Thursday of every month. And what we do is we uh, we do a call for artists and we bring in local artists' work that, um, you know, is all designed around a certain theme. So uh, this coming uh, October, we have Nerds in the City and mm-hmm. it's really centered on pop culture. Uh, and so in addition to the themed artwork, we'll also have like musicians, we'll have, we'll have beer and wine and there will, uh, there will be some sort of activity or entertainment. And, and then in addition to all of that, they also have access to the museum's galleries too. Mm-hmm. And since, since, since we're not open at night, uh, it's actually a nice opportunity for them to come uh, in the evening for this event. So they can come after work and it makes for a really great date mm-hmm. night. And uh, they, not only do they get to experience, experience the museum's uh, artwork, but they also get to see what is happening in the community locally yeah and they get to vote on a favorite uh they get to vote on a favorite Mm -hmm. artist that's right and i would say Mm -hmm. if you ever think that the museum of art is a stuffy place go to this because it is a party there's food and drinks Mm -hmm. and fun and Mm -hmm. such a diverse crowd that comes it's really a good time and every artist brings i think what up to two pieces i think it's it, or it is can, it three? It can be up to three. You submit mm-hmm. it, but you might not get mm-hmm. all three. Exactly. Has Jason ever done mm-hmm. it? We've done it a few times. Yeah. Oh. We've always had a great time. Jason yeah. Hunt, her yeah. husband, Mary's husband, is a fantastic artist. Uh, amazing. What's something else maybe that Some you... other things that I could touch upon. So in our education program, uh, we really, we serve all age groups. So uh, just to start, on a monthly basis, we have Art Adventures, which is it's essentially, it's it's art workshops for parents and their children for ages three to five. Wow. And then we have Art Encounters, which is five to eight years old, and that's without a parent, but it's for the children to come. And then Eight and Up, uh, it's art in the afternoon, and those are those are art workshops as well. And then Studio One, that's for adults, and those are art workshops. Ah. Uh, that you, all of them, uh, the themes change monthly, and so those are great programs to get plugged into, and you can learn a new art practice. And we also do art night out, and that's at night, and that's specifically for adults. And it's a new theme each month, uh, each month, and you just you get to learn really fun things. You get to enjoy beer and wine at, at art night out, and uh, some of them are not like your typical art workshops. You know, there was one w- that we had recently was uh, it was the art of of the drag, and so they got to learn how to do. Uh, drag makeup, uh, which oh. is a drag demo, and 
we did collaborative finger painting one time where <laughs> we, we we put up canvas on the walls and people got to okay, put on these uh, hysterical. These I love both and, these themes. They're so fun. Well, yeah. And the one in October that's coming up is Mask Making Mania. Wow. That's really cool. Oh, Halloween, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's there's so much that's happening just for just about every age group. And I, but just to touch upon a few of those, I'd say that those are, are a lot of the ones that. Uh, that people, you know, should be on the lookout for. Michael, are you surprised that more people aren't aware of what you're offering? Do you have room for more and want more and need more, but don't know how to get to people? Absolutely. So, uh, you never ask a marketing manager that <laughs> question, Mary. Well, yeah, we can always because, more. Because I'm hearing all this going, I'm surprised people don't know. But then again, I didn't till just well, now. Well, I didn't know mm-hmm. that you have things like yoga yes. and what? Book, book clubs. Mm-hmm. What? And there's lots of cool things Aren't that yoga? people... You have to do yeah, the Picasso. family yoga. Yeah, yeah yoga. Yep. Book clubs. Like, so there's Book a lot of things that people might not normally associate mm-hmm. with an art museum. Exactly. That, that's happening. Yeah, which this I think is all is a awesome. part of, you know, presenting diverse offerings in our exhibitions and in our programming. And I think, I think partially what it is, is that there's just so much there that sometimes it's hard to communicate all that out there all at once. And so we can only focus on so many things at once, but... Uh, but of course, we would love more people to come. We love more, more people to participate in the programs. Uh, we do have a very like healthy group of of, um, of members that come, and then and they also bring their friends. And like I said, the first Thursdays community is also very involved. That's awesome. We would love for all of you to go experience the Orlando Museum of Art. And when we come back, we're going to tell you how you can do that. So join us back here on From the Heart Magic 107.7 FM. Welcome back to From the Heart. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt here with Joshua Vickery, and we are very excited that Coralie Clayson Gleason and Michael Caibio, Caibio are here with us today representing Orlando Museum of Art. Michael Caibio, I'm sorry. I, I love the name. I love saying it. It flows, but it's taking me a while. <laughs> Quite all right. It's been butchered my whole life. I was going to say, you're probably used to that. And it's you've, not... you've definitely nailed it, I think, more often times. Oh, that's so nice, like Mary. You God. needed that extra yeah. boost of encouragement yeah. yes. after the three takes it took us to get. <laughs> oh, they weren't going to know that till now. Well, now they know. We got to seem accessible, Mary, just like the Orlando Museum of Art. Here, here. So, oh, Cor- nice segue. Oh, Coralie, nice. tell us all about the the uh, exhibit that's happening right now. That's already on up till December thirtieth. The Nick Cave uh, exhibition. Yes, sure. Um, well. First of all, I want to say how lucky we are, we are to have Nick Cave um, come install the show with us in Orlando. I mean, he's a celebrity. He's an internationally renowned artist and just an incredible human being. Mm. So having him here in Orlando this past Friday, um, connecting with the public of Orlando was wonderful. So um, tell our listeners a little bit about yes. Nick Cave. So Nick lives in Chicago. And his work is all centered around notions of how to um, battle gun violence, you know, profiling, racial profiling, um, and issues surrounding, um, you know, um, race in America. And um, as an African-American um, artist, um, he uh, reacted in, uh, back in 1992 after the incident uh, surrounding the Rodney King beating, 
um, he just felt compelled to create some sort of armor, you know, um, to protect himself, you know. And so he um, started creating those sunsuits, which he, which are those um, figurative work uh, that we were mentioning earlier about those gigantic um, uh, mannequins covered with fantastical um, beings and um, structures around them. So he created those sound suits um, just to hide gender, race, age, any sort of um, identity that would be recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's seen as an armor, but also as a celebration of the object. So by piecing together objects and creating new fabrics out of found objects, uh, he create incredible creatures when that are colorful and showing these were they through fashion shows or exhibits or both so these sound suits are not really meant to be worn mm-hmm. so they're um, uh, they're sculpture in its essence but he's worn them all so he's created them and tried them on mm-hmm. you know and then they end up on these mannequins and are sold as sculpture um you know to collectors around the world wow. um but they're just incredible you know the if you see we mentioned earlier you know seeing pictures of them but the pictures don't do it justice you know you're dwarfed by the scale of them um and then what's really incredible is that when you look at them closely you can find um details of objects that you actually know that you remember from childhood that your grandmother would remember from her own childhood so that's how he gets the connection with people you know people just love his work and you find that in that children you know from a youngest age to um you know older adults will just connect to his work um a lot of connections also um, refer to his family. So he has those beautiful birds incorporated mm. in his work. You know, that they're ceramic birds that his uh, grandmother would collect. Um, so there's homage there as well to the object, but also to family, to memories. Um, and um, also to the, he, he talks about the hands who made the objects. A lot of these objects come from crafts. So it's interesting to see the the use of crafts and materials like that, you know, that you'd find in daily life being used for high-end fine art. Um, so there's so many s- meanings to this work, starting right. from being a black man right. and what that means and how he wants to... So it's also about, it's about transformation. Ah. It's about how, you know, by allowing yourself to kind of move from, you know, that you know, being in a in a type of identity that can be profiled, you know, um, actually, you know, being safe and secure, some sort of sanctuary that is creating in all his artworks, you mm. know, makes you feel valued because now you're allowed to have, to create. There's no boundaries anymore. You know, you're not being put a label mm-hmm. on, you know. A lot of his work um, also is surrounding the theme of rescue. There's actually a piece in the collection that's called Rescue. Mm -hmm. And he found this um, wooden dog, you know, um, it's a sculptural piece that people would collect, you know. um, And um, he found it in a vintage shop, you know. And when he saw it, he thought, well, I want to save that dog. You know, it's almost like literally adopting Mm -hmm. a pet, you know. And he put it on a settee and created this fantastical environment around the dog which is almost become like a den something that's protecting that 
figure of the dog. But what I love about this is that it connects to people in society that have been underserved, you know, disregarded, forgotten, you know, and, and yeah, marginalized. And um, it's bestowing value on them. You mm. know, he bestow, bestows value on people in the same way he bestows value on objects. So a lot of his work also um, shows um, respect and honors the service industry. You know, all the people that work day in, day out in the service industry, but are never in the limelight. Well, he's you know, again, so there's a piece specifically called, um, it's untitled, but it's a norm piece with um, tea towels being piled up, thousands of tea, tea towels uh, piled up around the arm. Um, and that's honoring that service, um, you know. Uh, wow. I love oh, that. And you would, you would never know. Do you guys have a way of sharing those stories? Or do people do, have docents? So or? We do. We have incredible docents that share those stories. And they've uh, they've talked to Nick. So they, they heard it from the horse's mouth, yeah. you know, literally from the artist's mouth, which is wonderful. And um, they're incredible and knowledgeable and warm people that will welcome you at the museum. But also... I give tours, um, our chief curator, Hanson Mulfin, give, gives, gives tours as well. Um, and we're always here, you know, if people have questions, you know, again, we don't want the image of a stuffy museum. That's <laughs> not what we are. Mm. We are very welcoming and we want people to feel welcome and feel free to ask questions, whatever you, they want. You just mentioned docents and tours, mm -hmm. and this is our final segment. So I want to make sure we'd have a little bit of time here to tell our listeners, if they want to become a docent or a volunteer, or if they want to be, see one, how does that go? So, well, I guess first we would uh, just ask that they fill out some volunteer paperwork so that we could sort of vet them. And then from there, uh, we put out calls for volunteers all the time. We have tons of events that we do. We have docent opportunities. There are uh, ways to get involved in our education programs, summer camps, fall camps, uh, winter camps. And so it just depends on what their interests are. So in that paperwork, they can sort of tell us what their interests are, and then we can figure out where to place them from there. And, and so that's how we've gotten uh, somewhere around a thousand or so uh, volunteers in our, in our database. But we could always use more, and uh, people are always welcome to come and volunteer their time. There's so many great events that, that are done at the museum. Internships are also available each semester, so that's another thing that, that we're happy to bring students in on to kind of expose them to the art world, or I guess to the museum world and what it's like to work at a nonprofit. And I know you've told us this before, but we can never say it enough. Give us your, uh, how people can get in contact with you. Okay, so yes, our website is <laughs> omart.org. That's omart.org. Uh, OMA.org was taken by, I think it was the Ontario Museum. <laughs> so we are Longer Omart. Commute, folks. You don't exactly. want Exactly. <laughs> yes, we are Omart.org. And what's nice. your phone number? And we can be reached at 407-896-4231. Yeah, and as we're kind of wrapping up, there's two really cool events. It's pretty far in the future, but... I, I think I want to go to both of them. There's a huge travel event that you're having in November. Your first Thursday is all about travel and inspiring people to uh, paint a picture, draw a building, sculpture a wave, something they've experienced mm -hmm. while they've been traveling in other parts of the world. 
And you're going to have celebrity cruises come in and give VIP experiences uh-uh. and make That's you feel great. like you're yes. traveling, which is awesome. And the other one, which is like the party in town, you can spend New Year's Eve yes. at the Orlando Museum of Art. You can wow. ring in the new year uh, there and they have art ex- exhibitions and all sorts of fun stuff, but they have live music and champagne toast and a Fireworks, and fireworks display. display, and our host that evening is going to be George Estevez from WFTV. Oh, yes. lovely. Yeah. Where are the fireworks going to wow. be? <laughs> They're going to be above our crown, so we're all going to go out into our parking lot and uh, just watch them. You know, uh, over the museum, it's it's gorgeous. That's I got to experience the place because I think is. the Orlando is. Science Center said they're doing something too. Are they doing something uh, on New Year's Eve? I'm not aware of it, but oh, I mean, the more the merrier. Either the, one, the science or mm-hmm. art, either one is wonderful. <laughs> and how can people get information on that? They can also go to our website. They can call us, uh, and we are actually still putting together many of the little details. But a lot of it's in place. The date is, of course, in place, and we have uh, our, our entertainment lined up. But um, more information will be rolled out over the next few weeks. Speaking of entertainment, the theater that you have there, is there a schedule of events that happen in there that members can partake in, or is it just for private renting? I mean, it's it, it is it's, a nice it's, venue. It's, 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 it's multi-purpose, mm-hmm. yeah. So it can be rented out, um, and it is also used. So very recently, we had an event called Symphony Storytime where we collaborated with the Orlando Philharmonic, and they were oh, able to utilize that. the space. Mm-hmm. Uh, during first Thursdays, occasionally there will be performers in there. There's not a specific schedule, I think, for that space. It just kind of depends on how. I went to a storytelling time there, the Story Club. Oh yeah, Orlando Story Club. Yes. When I first started. And I remember that. I performed at a bar mitzvah in there. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely multi-use yes. for sure. Yes. Absolutely. So, Michael, why are you so proud to work for the Orlando Museum of Art? I just love being a part of this mission that we have. I, I, I love the impact that the museum has on the community, the connection that it has to the community and, and what like the role that I get to play in it. That's something I'm I'm very proud of, which is essentially I get to communicate the museum's message to everyone. And so um, that's definitely I think one of the, the the perks of the job is just getting to kind of see how people respond to our events and to our exhibitions and to see it change people's lives and also to see people uh, inspired. It's just something that's really fun to be a part of. Awesome. How about you, Coralie? Well, I I would echo that definitely, but also I think um, you know knowing that it's Orlando, the Orlando Museum of Art, right? Um, Orlando is a city that's on the international map. And we know why, but also we want uh, we want the Orlando Museum of Art to be on the international map too. And I think that's a big part of my personal mission. You know, I've traveled the world before coming to Orlando. I've worked in six different countries, and I want, you know, I want to help bring the museum to uh, to be an international museum. Definitely. So people coming, people listening right now who've never been there, just them mm-hmm. coming is going to help you with that. Absolutely. I think we need to realize, I think people who live in Orlando, not only, but also central Florida as a Mm -hmm. whole and Florida as a whole, you know, um, coming to museums, you know, supporting museums and galleries are is a very important thing. And the first thing you can do to do that is to actually come, you know, come to see the shows, experience it. And also the other thing that I want to encourage people to do is give feedback. Very important because very often people are going to love it, but we don't necessarily know until we actually see it on social media or, you know, and we actually find it. But sometimes just telling the front, uh, you know, front of house staff, 
I love this. That was amazing. That's important and, you too. Know, okay. Writing it, sending a letter or a note or a post it, whatever. So you give know, them feedback. Give yeah. feedback. Go. Tell us. Go you know, and give them feedback. And also, what do you love? What do you, don't you love? You know, as well. Yeah. Even criticism is good. Awesome. Know. So go yeah. and check out the Orlando Museum of Art, Omart. Dot org And Michael and Corley, you have been such great oh, spokespeople for the Leonard Museum of Art today. Thank, Thank you for, for your passion and for your work, both of you. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you, gotta, Joshua. we got to go to one of these fun events I over there. I would like that very Maybe much. Maybe we can go do yoga one day. All right. I, you know, I've never I'm done serious. yoga. Let's do it. I, very, I would like that. It's a date. <laughs> it's a date. <laughs> Friends, thanks for joining us on this Sunday evening. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Magic 107.7 FM from, from the, the heart. heart.